church. Good morning. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Indeed, He is. So, thank you again uh, for the privilege that God is giving us to sit under His Word. And uh, for me, it is a privilege also to bring God's Word to you this morning. If you are here and this happened to be your first time with us, please take note that we are going through the book of Acts in a series that we have titled The Gospel in Motion. It is a narrative of the story of the early church and how it grew and multiplied from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth in the power of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, it was in one of the summary statements that Dr. Luke, the author of this book, it is in one of these statements that we left last week in verse 31st or 31 of chapter 9. As Pastor Robert helped us to see and understand Paul's calling and the beginning of his ministry and how the church multiplied. And today we will see the calling of God for Peter to the Gentiles in the rest of chapter 9. We will read it from verse, or we will see it from verse 32 to verse 43. And this is actually the title of my message today. The calling of God's calling for Peter to the Gentiles. So it is important for us to notice that though the ministry of Apostle Peter was focused more to the Jews who believed in Jesus as their Messiah, Peter had an important role to play in God's plan to bring the Gentiles into his family, the church. As we will see today and in the next chapters of the book of Acts. The section we will meditate and we will study today is a part of a bigger section in the book of Acts that starts from chapter 9 and it extends till chapter 12 which marked the transition from the early Jewish beginning of the church, where the Apostle Peter is the main character, to the beginnings of the gospel reaching out to the Gentiles, where eventually Apostle Paul will become the main character in narrative, particularly from chapter 13 of the book of Acts. And for this to become clear to us, let us quickly compare uh, two verses. Verse 31 or 31 of chapter 9. And also verse or the main verse that we have been repeating over and over again in the book of Acts. I hope you can remember. Yeah, if uh, I do a quiz today and ask, what is the main verb of the book of Acts? What should be your answer on that? But let me just give the answer. It is Acts 1.8. Alright? Everything we are seeing has 
it's based in this verse. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And let's just make a comparison with verse 31 in chapter 9. I'll read in your Bible. It's not in the screen. Just follow me. All right. Verse 31 of uh, Acts 9. So the church throughout all Galilee and Judea and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now turn your Bible to Acts 1.8. Jesus saying to the disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The question is, what is missing there in verse 31 of chapter 9? The promise of Jesus was that the gospel should not only be in Galilee or preached in Galilee, it should not only be preached in Samaria, but it should go to the ends of the earth. And we see that missing in verse 31 or 31 of, of chapter 9. Why? Because God is still building his church. The Gentiles are not yet part of the church. And our text today, it is important because it is preparing the one that Christ has chosen to be the gates of the one that will open the gates of the kingdom to the Gentiles, the Apostle Peter. And this is what we will see in our text today. Let's read Acts chapter 9, verses 32 verses 43. That says the word of God. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lida. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lida and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Job a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorker. Dorkers. She was full of good works and acts of charity in in those days. She became ill and died, and when they had worshipped her, they laid her in upper room. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please, come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room, all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that daughters made while she was with them. 
But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he, and he gave her his hands and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tenor. Let's go and ask the Lord to help us as we... Um, preach and listen his word this morning let's ask God's help pray with me father once again we bless your name for your faithfulness as uh, even pastor prayed um, we don't want to be hypocrites oh Lord and as all of us we sing when you speak oh Lord you change our hearts you change our mind, you test our thoughts in the radiance of your purity, Lord. Therefore, Lord, we pray that your spirit will be at work in us right now and that he will help me to be clear in what you gave me to share with your people, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and my sisters, Lord, for your help as well as we receive your word. And we allow your word to transform us from inside out. For your name's sake and for the glory of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Two weeks ago, I was talking to a friend. Just sharing some doubts for the future. Some concerns for the future. And while I was doing that... She said, Pedro, I'm going to send you a message. Just read that carefully. She took it from a devotional. And this is what she sent to me. The call of God only becomes clear as we obey. Never as we weigh the pros and cons and try to reason it out. When we hear the call of God, it is not for us to dispute with God and arrange to obey Him if He will expound the meaning of His call to us. As long as we insist on having the call expounded to us, we will never obey. But when we obey, it is expounded, and in looking back, there comes a shackle of confidence. Before us, there is nothing, but overhead, there is God, and we have to trust Him. This thought became relevant for me to understand the text that we have in front of us today. What seemed for me to be at the beginning 
some loose and disconnected events in the in the personal life of Apostle Peter and he, in his ministry were in fact situations and circumstances that God in his sovereignty and providence had initiated in the life of Peter to prepare him for what he was about to do in his church. Eventually, God was leading Peter and the church to a place, at least initially, they did not want to go. They didn't want to go there. Through these events and circumstances that we will see, God was forcing and pushing Peter in one direction that he wanted the church to go. As God was taking Peter from place to place, it is clear from these stories that Peter, he had no idea what exactly was laid out ahead of him. But God was calling Peter to be the chosen instrument for opening the gates of the kingdom of heaven to the Gentiles. And my prayer this morning is as we see Peter being led from situation to situation, circumstances to circumstances, in responding the needs of the saints, the requests and invitation of people, that all of us, that in all of us, God will stir up the willingness for us to become an instrument in His hand, accepting His calling, accepting His calling for us to be part of what He is doing here in Abu Dhabi, here in New Life Church, and in His church around the world for the praises of His glorious grace in Christ Jesus. And this leads me to my first point. Peter in leader, from verse 32 to verse 35. We see there, before that, in verse 31 that we just read, that the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built. So verse 32 then starts saying that now Peter went here and there among them all. So the question is, what is here and there in verse 32? Is exactly what the Bible says in verse 31. Peter was going in the region of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, fortifying the saints that were there, or the churches that were formed there. I suspect that along with Peter, other apostles took advantage of this time of peace and less resistance and hostility for them to do the ministry of teaching and encouraging the churches around that area. Why? Because I believe they knew that that time of tranquility was not there or will not last forever for the church. 
So there we came and we can have our first application. How are we using our time today? Are we really taking advantage of everything that God has given us today for us to build up His church? Are we taking or are you taking advantage of your holidays as you had yesterday to allow God to build up your life? Brothers and sisters, this COVID has taught us that the governments of this world, one day they can say, you will no longer go to church. It's proven. This is the time that the Bible says in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 5, 15, and 16, that we, make, we must make use or take uh, the most of our time today. And don't, for us not to walk like as ignorant, but in wisdom, knowing that the days are evil. The apostles, they took advantage of this time, of time of peace. Even in this country, we enjoy a time of, of peace. We can fellowship. Are we taking advantage of this time to allow God to build us up and to build His church? Then we see there that Peter come down to Lida and meet the saints. Verse 32, we are still in verse 32. So we see there that the saints that Paul is saying here, or Luke is saying here, is not the saints as the Catholic Church uh, has put them. Unfortunately, uh, the Catholic Church has elevated men in place of saints where the Bible calls every believer as a saint. Amen. Amen. So, it was hard in my home group for us to swallow this. If I come and I say, uh, Saint Joy. So, it's kind of difficult for us to swallow this. Why? Because of our experience of sin. We see our sin in us or our experience of sin, and then to acknowledge what the Bible is calling us to be is kind of difficult. So in one part, we have the, the, the name or the category that the Bible is giving us. We are saints, and then we have our sinful experience. Then we try to have our sinful experience to inform who we are in Christ rather than allow who we are in Christ to inform our experience. I'm not saying that saints doesn't sin. I'm saying only that the Bible calls every believer saints. Why? Because it doesn't depend on us. It is because of what Christ has done for us at the cross of Calvary. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he who knew not sin, God has made him sin in order for us to become the righteousness of, of God. Brothers and sisters, I'll repeat myself. I'm not saying that you do not sin. 
That's why John says if we sin, we just need to repent and we have an advocate in Christ Jesus who is there to pray for us. So you are a saint if you have believed and gave your life to our Lord Jesus Christ. So tomorrow if I come and I say, Saint, or you see this word saint, or in another translation, holy, accept that by faith and allow God's words to communicate into your reality. Well, so we are told in the process of moving from city to city and from church to church, eventually Peter came to the city of Lida, where in the cross of his ministry, we read now in verse 33, that he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden, who had been bedridden for eight years. Brothers and sisters, there is in this verse a very big picture of suffering, a person that is suffering. We don't know that if Aeneas was or not a believer. His name uh, implies a Gentile, uh, a Gentile name, or a Greek name, sorry. We don't know if he was or he was not a believer. But try to imagine him being paralyzed for eight years, not able to do anything. We see a suffering person, a person that is suffering there. We don't have much time to talk about suffering today. But I would like just to give some picture of what God is trying to do in this place with these men and years. Our doctrine of suffering needs to be according to God's word. For many believers, they don't have suffering as part of their walk with Christ. But let me just open up and please receive it as God's word from what the Bible says in Hebrews 5 verse 8. Hebrews 5 verse 8. Hebrews 5 verse 8. Although he talking about Jesus, was a son, he did what? He did what? He learned obedience through what he suffered. Brothers and sisters, God is a good God, and he knows how to take care of his children. Whenever we go through suffering, and in any way I am belittling what you might going you might be going through right now. But in any way you are suffering right now, if you are in God's hand, not because of me, but because of God's word, I promise you that he is taking care of you. 
God is taking care of you. And this suffering that you are going through, it is not to kill you, it is not to destroy you. God is teaching you something. It is sometimes hard for you to accept this. Because if you ask me, Pedro, for God's glory, raise your hand if you want to be eight years paralytic in, in, on the bed. And I can ask you that also today. If it's for God's glory, please choose to be paralytic for eight years. Will you do that? Truly speaking, I will not. But by God's sovereignty, if it comes to me, I know that He will give me strength to endure that. And I believe in your suffering, God is giving you strength for you to endure that because it is for His glory. Some time ago, I was talking to someone that is really going through a hard time. And this person told me about how uh, the life was in the past and suddenly some health issue came to, to the person's life. That before, the person was not really paying attention to, to God. But when that situation came, the life of this person was completely transformed. And today, even in that suffering, you see that this person has a joy that really testifies the strengthening of God in this person's life. And the question was, is this suffering good or bad? And the person just answered, it is good because it allowed me to see God as He is. We have many to say about suffering, but we just see that the suffering of Aeneas, eight years, counted for the glory of God. Because when Jesus, or when Peter came, he just said something to Aeneas. Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. We see that Peter is not bringing the glory to him. Because who is healing Aeneas? Peter is saying it's Jesus Christ that is healing. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the world that we are living now, we know that this healing thing in the Bible has caused many controversy. But whenever we see someone just bringing the attention for the healing to himself, we can understand that something is wrong. Why? Because according to the Bible, the glory needs to belong or must go to our Lord Jesus Christ, who is healing. Jesus is healing Aeneas. And what happened? Verse 35. 
all the residents of Lydar and Sharon uh, saw him and they turned to the Lord. The glory came or the manifestation of that healing gave glory to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, have you ever considered that God may be directing the events in your life, the suffering that you are there, just for you to find impossibilities and understand that He is turning you to Him? This is what happened with the Israelites, isn't it? In the desert, they lack water. In the desert, they lack food. But what God was trying to teach them, obedience and trust to Him. They needed to trust our, our God. So again, just take this word with you. The Lord is the strength of your life. No matter what you are going through. But if you are not a believer, God may be using your suffering to call out his or your attention back to Him. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13 that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe in the situation that you are facing, you just need to call upon the name of the Lord for Him to come and to give a hand to you and to save you, not only from your physical disease, but also from your spiritual disease. Now, Peter would most probably choose to stay in leader. But we read from verse 36 that a request came to him from some widows or from some disciples in Joppa. And this leads to my second point from verse 36 to verse 42. Peter in Joppa. We will not read again. We already did that. But briefly... There were a disciples, and not this. This is the only time, uh, if my research was correct, that the Bible is attributing disciples to a female. Okay, disciples named Tabitha or Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. This woman, this disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ, was full of good works. The word full of good work there means that she was driven by doing good to everyone that was around her, mainly the widows. And suddenly she got sick and she passed away. But contrary to the culture, the disciples that were with her, they simply, instead of burying bury her at the same day because that was the culture they knew that Peter was in a city closer by Lida, and they decided not to bury Dorcas but to call but to call Peter to come and to do something in that situation so first thing that we can learn from here Dorcas was or Tabitha was 
a disciples full of good works. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. The Bible says, Let your light so shine that every man may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Brothers and sisters, the Bible clearly says that we have been saved for the good works that were uh, were prepared. Thank you. Were prepared for us before the foundation of the world. And actually, what we see Dorcas doing that confirms what Ephesians two ten says. Yeah. And this good works is for everyone. Are you driven by the same attitude of Dorcas' heart? Do you see your heart like that impulse for good works? Any small thing that you might do as giving a water of glass to someone or a glass of water to someone or even to meet the needs of your brother and sister, the Bible says that you are doing for our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever think that what you do is small in your attitude, in your desire to glorify God in everything that you do. The only thing is that your heart needs, as you do that good work, needs to be for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and not for your own exaltation. So we see here Dorcas doing that. And Peter, as he came, the Bible says that he took everyone out of the room and he knelt and he prayed. We don't know exactly what is or what was the content of Peter's prayer. But this situation is very similar to a situation that Peter was taken when Jesus was still in the world. If you remember, there was a time in Mark chapter 5, you can find that story there, that Jairus' daughter passed away. She died. And Peter, and Peter, John, and James, they were with Jesus when Jesus resurrected uh, 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 Talita, who was uh, Jairus' daughter. Why do I say that? That Peter, maybe he was praying, Lord, what can I do here? I am lost. I have a corpse here, a dead body here. What can I do? But suddenly, I believe that Peter remembered what Jesus did. And Jesus empowered him for him to say, Tabitha, Dorcas, arise. The same expression that Jesus mentioned to Talita. Talita kumi. Talita arise. Here, Tabitha kumi. Tabitha arise. But again, we see that the power of the Holy Spirit in and through 
Peter was all to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do I say that? Because when we come to verse 42, the Bible says that it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed in, in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, Peter was facing a situation that you can say that it was impossible to happen. There is no many instances in the Bible about people rising from the dead. But because his eyes were on the Lord, because his heart was to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, God has used him in this situation for his own name's sake and for his glory. So we see these two miracles happening first in the city of Lida and then in the city of Joppa. And we can say, oh, this is the great miracles that can happen in people's life. And unfortunately for us believers or for many believers today, this kind of miracles, it speaks more into their life than the greatest miracles that someone can experience in their life. When someone gives his life to Christ Jesus, it is the only time the Bible says that there is a party in heaven. You know that. It is the only time that the angels celebrate and they are glorifying God because someone has turned his or her life to our Lord Jesus Christ. But today in many churches, if you see that someone is healed, you see people screaming and joyful. Oh, this brother gave his life to Christ. Why? Because our eyes are only in now and they are not in what God is doing in some people's life through eternity. Brothers and sisters, the best or the greatest miracle that God is making is in business, in, in doing in this world, is changing people, people's lives. And you and me, we are a vehicle right now that this miracle can happen in someone's life. Now, let us turn our attention for a moment away from what God was doing through Peter and talk about what God is doing in Peter. Because whenever he's working through someone, He's also in business of doing something in the person that he is working through. And this leads me to my final point this morning, verse 43. The Bible says, And Peter, and he, talking about Peter, stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon Athena. God, because of the calling he had for Peter, I believe in what he's telling us in, the, in this text. He is starting to destroy 
Peter's inward Jewish religion and prejudice. Prejudice, by definition, is a dislike or hostility or unjust behavior that, that is formed on preconceived opinion that is not based upon reason or actual experience. Or in another word, it is some preconceived idea that is not informed by God's word. And there were at least three areas of prejudice that God was trying to destroy in Peter's heart. It's not like straightforward, clear, but I hope that you can follow me to the end. I'll be just going a little bit faster now. Yeah? The first area was sick people. Why do I say that? You know that for the Jews, when someone gets sick, they would say that that's a punishment from God. If you do good and if you behave well, you have God's blessing. If you not, therefore you have God's curse. That's why in June 9, the Bible says that when they saw the blind man, the first question the disciples made, Oh Lord, who have sinned? Him or his parents? Because in Jew culture, that's what happened. If you are sick, then you are cursed. Okay? But not in God's economy. And this was something that Peter was challenged with when he met the person in, in uh, Lida, Aeneas in Lida. The second thing is that Peter was being challenged to destroy the uh, prejudice against those that would treat uh, dead bodies or touch dead bodies. And because Peter was brought in Jewish religion, the Jewish religion would say that everyone that would touch a dead body would become unclean and not worthy to come to worship God. But take note that Peter was in contact with a dead body, Dorcas. And then, this is now where verse 43 makes sense to us. He stayed many days not down that many days with Simon Etanner. Who know who Etanner is or what is a job of Etanner? I didn't know. I didn't know that. But there are people that uh, work with skin of animals uh, and they make clothes like the leather that we have. But do you know how they did that in past? In these days? It is completely a very disgusting, a very awful work. Uh, there is a video on YouTube. If you want, you can go and watch. I had to do that yesterday just to understand why it was important for Luke to mention here and also other parts in chapter 10 verse 6 and verse 32 he is very specific to tell us that Peter stayed in Simon's house in Joppa the Simon Eternal 
But for you to be able to uh, work with the skin of the animal, the animal needs to be what? Dead. So, automatically, according to the Jewish law, Simon would be unclean. And even if Peter would be in contact with unclean, he would be also unclean. But this is a new dispensation, folks. Just borrowing you, Pastor. <laughs> this is a new dispensation. It's the dispensation of grace. Something God is putting down, is destroying in Peter's mindset, in Peter's doctrine, to allow him to experience the new thing that God is doing. And this is, the Gentiles need to come. And next week, you will see that the third area of prejudice that Peter had is against the Gentile, the very Gentile people that God will take or will order him to go and speak the gospel to. Those are the three areas. For you to understand that even this eternal job was something completely uh, uh, disgusting and completely uh, awful for the Jews, the Mishnah, who is the uh, authority, like tradition, law of uh, the Jewish people, would say that if a woman has a, a husband that decided to become a tenor, she has the right to divorce her. Only because of that job. Brothers and sisters, for that job, you know that the acid that they used to uh, clean or to do, to prepare that uh, uh, skin, was acid uric or uric acid. So you know what I mean by that. Our urine in the past were collected from house to house, from house to house, in order to treat that skin. Yes, the video I saw was exactly that. A lady took a very big gallon of urine that was collected to prepare that skin. Why then we will see that Simon's house was in the sea because of the smell of that job would bring. So what we do we learn from here, brothers and sisters, and I'm concluding there. I have time and time again found that what uh, hinders what God wants to do is always their willingness of God's people to think and behave like God's people in some crucial areas of their lives. We may, many of us, we allow prejudice to run our Christian life instead of the truth of the gospel. And this is what God was trying to destroy in Peter's life in order for the ministry of the church and his own personal ministry should grow. The question is, what is the prejudice today that God is calling you to destroy in your heart? What are the areas in your life that God is challenging you for you to change your way of thinking 
and accept what the new thing that he has for you, for us. And when I say the new thing, I'm not saying a new revelation. I'm not talking about a new revelation. But you know, there are aspects of what God is doing today, even in our church, that we are blinded. That we need the scales to come to our eyes. It is not a new thing because the canon is complete. But aspect of what he can do even through us, that we are still blind. Why? Because of many things in us that is causing this prejudice in us, that is causing us to be blind toward what God has for us. Brothers and sisters, what is the wall that God is trying to destroy in your heart? that you are still resisting in your personal life and in our life as a church. Today God's word comes and says that Peter was able to discover his calling as he obeyed God and he allowed God to destroy all these in his life. And you will see next week that God really need to go hard in Peter's life in order for him to learn this lesson. As he stays in Simon the Tanner, I say many days, and Pastor Robert last week also helped us to understand that many days is the same that was used for Paul in verse 33 of the same chapter. And remember, for Paul it was how many years? Three years. So it was not a simple visit that Peter did in the Simon the Tanner. He lived with him. And while living with him, he was being changed in order for the next thing that you will see from next week. What is the prejudice that God is trying to destroy in your heart? What is the false doctrine that God is trying to uh, destroy in your heart? What is the commandment that you are resisting in your heart to trust the Lord? completely. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that uh, you may do whatever it is necessary, O oh Lord, for us really to align our lives with you. Father, forgive us in the many ways that we have resisted your work in us, O oh Lord. And we pray that you will help us as you did with Peter, Lord, to destroy any wall, any prejudice, anything in us that stands against the knowledge of Christ, so that we can experience more of you in a fuller way. Father, help us to enjoy you and for us to find our pleasure in you forever. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen.